Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk and thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Today I have a very special guest with me, Dr. Lucy Lipowitz, who is a licensed psychologist. So Lucy, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm super excited to chat with you today too. But before we get into that, can you introduce yourself a little bit about your background and what you do? Yes. Yeah. So as you said, I'm a licensed psychologist. I'm in private practice in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, So I'm trained as a pediatric psychologist. So meaning I work with kids with clinical concerns, things like anxiety, depression, behavior problems, as well as comorbid medical concerns. And I'm also a mom to two kiddos. Awesome. I love when people throw in like a little thing, personal things about themselves and Mm -hmm. not just like, this is where I went to school and these things. So um, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about anxiety around medical procedures. And you just kind of briefly said pediatric psychologist, comorbid medical concerns, but what got you interested in procedural preparation and helping those who struggle with anxiety about medical procedures? Yeah. Good question. So I got my first like taste or interest in pediatric psychology when I was in graduate school. So I think like a supervisor recommended I try something out and I did a rotation, a training rotation in an HIV services clinic in a pediatric hospital. And, and it was great. So I, I realized some people feel anxious in hospital situations, whether or not they're the patient, some people feel anxious and uncomfortable. And some people, and I realized I was in kind of the latter group feel that it can be a place where you can help kids. Mm -hmm. And I realized I liked working with other disciplines. So like, you know, nurses, doctors, um, child life. um, And I liked being able to support kids and parents who are anxious, give concrete recommendations. It just, it felt really rewarding. So I was, I think, kind of hooked on Pete Psych after that. And then I did an internship, which is like residency in pediatric psychology, um, I worked in a pediatrician's office for a few years. Um, now I'm in private practice, which I see less of the comorbid yeah. medical concerns. Obviously, I do less interdisciplinary work, but still every now and then, like those kinds of concerns pop up in my office. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I always love hearing people's stories and how they kind of started, you know, was it they always knew what they wanted to do or did they like have a rotation yeah. And they're like, oh, actually, this yep. is what I mm-hmm. love. And it might be something they've never thought of. Yeah. And that, well, and then the other thing is a parent. I, mm-hmm. so I went through all my training before having kids, yeah. um, you know, like I was a fully fledged psychologist before having kids and I, and then both of my kiddos have had some like different medical things and mm-hmm. 
it gave me so much more insight, you know, to go through that on the parent side. Uh, I know so much about how to support kids in medical settings and it was still really hard in different ways. Um, you know, so I guess it's just like giving me more empathy and understanding, mm-hmm. I guess, for patients, which it's, that's been interesting. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if this has been your experience, but it was definitely mine and your kiddos are older than my daughter. But I remember being like, oh, I work with kids. I'm a psychologist. I'll know all these things. And then you have your Mm. own kids and you're like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. even though I do know all these things, like from a clinical perspective, being a parent is so different. All the time we used to joke, and this is off of the medical topic, but with sleep. So I'm also, I do a lot of sleep training work Mm -hmm. and I would tell my husband before we would go to bed at night, okay, here's what the research says. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. Because then at 3 a.m., I would throw it all out the window and say, no, go in, you know, do whatever you need to do to get the kiddo back to sleep. And, you know, he would be the one who would follow it, but it's, yeah, yes, I totally agree. Oh yeah. That's, that's exactly how I feel. Um, so I guess to open our discussion, what are some common medical procedures that people tend to have anxiety around? So I think injections are probably the mm-hmm. biggest, definitely the biggest one that I see, um, probably the biggest one for kids and biggest and then most common that they're actually dealing with it with regularly. Um, so like blood draws, shots, um, imaging so like mris mm-hmm. um sometimes it's usually i think it's a more probably like teenagers and adults where you're dealing with like claustrophobia um feeling anxious about that but then dentist appointments um surgery so for kids usually it's more like the fear of the anesthesia it's like the separation worries um and then older kiddos and adults more fears with surgery around also anesthesia, but then also pain, just like any mm-hmm. procedure where there's possibly, you know, pain or worries about the outcome. I'd say all of those can elicit anxiety. Absolutely. And I honestly love that you brought up the dentist because like, I don't know, in my mind, when I was thinking like medical, I'm like thinking hospital setting, but mm-hmm. it's so true. Like, I feel like at least the people I know, if you ask them like what type of doctor appointment they fear the most it's the dentist absolutely well and same with the pain right so if you feel discomfort it's not fun um or just the unknown of what's going to happen when you for adults i think sometimes you just you don't know if you you don't know if you're gonna have a cavity until you get there and Mm -hmm. that can be scary and hard Mm -hmm. yeah and i also love that you brought up like for a surgery obviously i you know i working in the hospital i always tell kids like it's normal to feel anxious before surgery, like if you're not a little bit anxious, I'm mm-hmm. more concerned than than not. But love the distinction between like the anesthesia versus like pain, because most kids, you know, and you can speak to this obviously, aren't necessarily thinking about the outcomes of the surgery, other than like, oh, this is going to help me. But they are going to think yes. about going under or being away from their guardians, right? Or just not knowing, right? So this is something big and different from what I'm used to. So I don't have a frame of reference. I don't have like a, you know, a schema of what, what it's going to look like. Oh, absolutely. One thing I say in the hospital all the time is like, I know this is a new experience for you just to kind of validate the fear, but also like build the trust. But the surgeons do this mm-hmm. day in mm-hmm. and day out. Like it's, it's a yeah, one-time like thing for you. It's a normal Tuesday for your totally. surgeon. Yes. And yes, that usually helps a little bit, but yeah, no, I, I like mean, that. It, yeah, the frame of reference, like you said, if you don't know what 
going under anesthesia is like, you don't know what surgery is like. Absolutely. It can be terrifying. Yep. So another, I guess, big question, how may anxiety present for people that are anxious about any type of medical procedure? And then what are some of the consequences or outcomes with regard to anxiety surrounding medical procedures? So depending on the age and the kiddo, so kids across ages, kids obviously can be so different, right? Depending on what we're talking about. So it can present very differently. Um, So little kids could be crying, screaming, trying to avoid crawling under the table, trying to run out of the office, right? So again, depending on what procedure we're talking about, if we're talking about shots, I'd say that's probably what you're seeing. Um, You know, for older verbal children, it could be verbalizing worries, um, like saying what you're afraid of, is it going to hurt? I feel like is, Mm -hmm. you know, the biggest question or concern. Um, If it's something that you've prepped a kid for in advance, so whether it's surgery or dentist or a shot it could be you know irritability behavior changes sleep problems the like classic things that impact your kids whole functioning but um might be related to a specific worry that they're not actually directly verbalizing um avoidance is certainly the biggest thing with anxiety so you know what we know about anxiety is it's really uncomfortable and it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good none of us like to feel anxious or distressed um so what you're with kids or adults who feel anxious are wanting to avoid as you know, wanting to avoid feeling distressed, um, you know, and you think in the short term, if I can avoid this procedure, if I can avoid the shot, I'll feel less anxious. Or if I can put this off for adults, if I can push this down the road, then mm-hmm. I'll feel less anxious. But that obviously prolongs how you feeling, ang- you're feeling anxious for a longer period of time. Um, Avoiding it entirely reinforces the fears. Um, you know, it doesn't teach you that you can work through it, makes things worse in the long run. Um, so I'd say avoidance is a big thing. And then also from a parent perspective, if your kid gets really distressed, you might want to avoid that. And so mm-hmm. then that also reinforces things, right? So there are lots of parents who don't get their, you know, kids through different procedures, whether it's, you know, dentist or shots, because they know their kid is going to feel anxious. So then it's, you know, certainly a cycle between parents and kids. Um, as far as other responses, also vasovagal syncope, so like fainting, dizziness, that can also be a response. Um, less common for kids, more common for like teenagers and adults. Um, I think that's most of the ways you can present with anxiety. Yeah, no, I, I love how comprehensive you were. And I love that you brought up the parent perspective, because yeah, I think, I mean, and I've seen this, you know, in grad school, I worked in a pediatrician's office as well. And when parents know a kid is going to get like very upset or dysregulated Mm -hmm. about a shot, then the parents are also getting upset and dysregulated because they don't want to see their kid in pain. And so then everybody in the room is upset and it just like makes things more difficult. And that, you know, like the like positive reframe there, it comes from a good place, right? So you don't want your kid to be in pain, right? That's a like innate instinct for parents. You don't want your kid to be in pain. Um, But as you know, I said with the avoidance, like it it certainly makes it hard in the long run. I see that with providers too, right? So like, you know, the nurse or the phlebotomist who's doing the blood draw, if they see a kid who is upset and if they don't feel like they know the tools to help the kiddo, they get upset too, or, you know, want to mm-hmm. kind of force a, you know, hold the kiddo down to do the shot, you know, all of that. So it's, 
impacts everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and then another thing I love that you brought up was that avoidance piece. Cause you know, you talked about like both short and long-term, like, you know, uh, you said something to the effect of, if I just push this down the road, Mm -hmm. my, my thought was like surgery. Oh, I'll just like delay this and delay this. But who, not only is your anxiety getting worse because you are feeling more anxious, but depending on the medical condition, that might actually be getting worse as well. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anxiety definitely is a beast when it comes to, well, anything, but like, yeah, medicine. I, I love, I draw for a lot of like my teenage patients when I'm talking about anxiety in any context, you know, if you draw like you know, the bell curve and you say, okay, mm-hmm. so this, this hump, right? So you feel the anxiety builds if you get closer to something. Mm-hmm. And then how do you just like talking about it? How do you feel afterwards? And again, depends what we're talking about, right? If we're talking about surgery and then pain, I, I don't know. I can't guarantee how you're going to feel it afterwards. Yeah. The From the anxiety perspective, like the anticipatory anxiety will be better once you get through it. So shortening the delay, again, it's better for everybody, kid and parent. Oh, you can. absolutely. Right. A lot of time, and I don't know if this has been your experience as well, but what I've observed, the anticipatory anxiety about the surgery, the MRI, the blood draw, whatever, is worse than the anxiety mm-hmm. in the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so people are working themselves up and then it happens and then, and, and yes. understandably, and like, hopefully nobody listening is thinking we're minimizing it, like understandably. And these things are very anxiety provoking, but a lot of times we work ourselves up way more than the yes. actual pain. I think with the caveat that if you have a plan for in the moment, I think it can be worse if in the moment it's chaotic, that can be really upsetting, right? So if, if you don't feel like you have any control, you being kiddo or parent, if you don't feel like you have any control, if you don't feel like you have tools to know what to do, that, that is, then those moments are really upsetting too. No. And I, yes. And I love that you brought that up because now I'm thinking back to like times in the pediatrician's office, an example I gave where kiddos dysregulated, a parent are dysregulated and they're just like, and you're <laughs> stressed and tense. So, I mean, we know if you're tense uh-huh. and you're trying to get a shot, it is going to actually hurt it's more yeah. or yeah. more difficult to poke mm-hmm. or maybe you need, mul- if you're going to blood draw on multiple oh, times it's trying miserable. to get a vein. Yeah. Well, and the, or if you're feeling the pressure this is true for parents too. Like we're here, we have to do it now. And then there's that mm-hmm. pressure and then that's a different level of anxiety and then judgment. Oh my gosh, everybody can see my kid is the one screaming and then you're even more anxious. It's just, I, we've probably all been there in some capacity and it's oh, not fun. Absolutely. I love that you just brought up all those other things that can <laughs> add to the anxiety and stress outside of the actual uh-huh. procedure. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been talking about anxiety about all these different procedures. Another big question for you, is having anxiety around medical procedures common? And if so, why do you think so many people have it? Super common. I looked up some numbers. Okay. So oh, really? <laughs> yeah, more than 60%. I'm actually surprised it's not higher, but more than 60% of kids have a fear of needles. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's um, very common. One in 10 don't vaccinate, not d- exclusively because of the fear of the needle poke, right? So like there might be other reasons why people don't, but yeah. one in 10 people don't vaccinate because not because they're 
anti-vaccine, but because they're afraid of the needle poke. Um, and then one in four adults change healthcare decisions based on anxiety. One in four. Which oh is what you were gosh. saying earlier, right? Yes. As far as the impact on your health long term. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I agree that I thought the, the 60% for needles in children would be higher, but the one in four adults, mm-hmm. that's right. actually kind of mind-blowing to me. Yeah. I was I said something to my own PCP recently. I said, I'm, you know, sometimes a little bit of a hypochondriac, like I raise things, I'm not sure. And she said, that's okay. And I don't know the data on this, but she said, that's okay. It's the people who fall at that end of the spectrum who are more likely to catch something, which, you know, it makes sense intellectually that yeah. if you are prone to going to your appointments and not delaying things that you catch things up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it is very common. Yeah. Um, you you asked the why. Yeah. 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 Why do you think that is? So fear of pain f- yeah. across the, you know, age range, um, loss of control. I would say, you know, loss of control for kids, loss of control for adults too, for talking about, mm-hmm. you know, anesthesia, surgery, um, fear of the outcome, I think more so with adults as far as, you know, like what, what will be found or what will happen with surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, the fear of needles is, you know, to some extent a learned behavior. So like from parents experiences in terms of like their own experiences, or as we talked about like experiences with, okay, if, you know, you're baby, like, you know, in infancy, your baby cries when they get a shot, but if that's really distressing to you, and then you are feeling anxious going to the next appointment. And mm-hmm. as your kid gets older there to some extent, you know, kids pick up on what we're putting out there. Um, you know, so parents fear of pain for their kids um, and then from kids having their own neg- negative experiences. Right. So if you, this is why I'm so passionate about this, but if you have the experience in childhood of being held down to get a blood draw done, being out of completely out of control, having no say in it, that's really scary. Um, and so then anytime you go to the doctor's office, I don't know what's going to happen. What are they going to do to me rather than, okay, I can use my voice and I can make a plan with my parent. And then that translating into adulthood of being able to be collaborative with your provider. So, yeah, no, I love that. And the, the point that like early experiences and especially, and I've seen this a lot, if you have like one negative experience, whether it's in the hospital Mm-hmm. outpatient clinic, you're going to remember that. And then every yeah. time you go, is that going to happen again? Or what is going yeah. to mm-hmm. happen? Um, yeah. And I hope this is not a controversial statement, but from a psychological standpoint, that's why I think, you know, going to wellness checkups where you don't get any shots, things like mm-hmm. that. Yes, it's good just to from a medical standpoint, but so that your kids can go to the doctor Absolutely. and know that nothing quote unquote bad. Yes. Will happen. You can go and not get shot. Yeah. You can go and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, not get poked and prodded and absolutely things like that. My my kid's dentist takes that approach and I think it's been really helpful. I forget what age she started, but it was very clear that it wasn't really because their teeth, you know, like they're I don't know, in infancy really needed much. But yeah. it was, I want them to not feel scared. So they, you know, sat on the chair, they sat on my lap and we're like barely brushing their teeth. I think there was like minimal involvement from the dentist, but it's, this is not scary. Mm-hmm. Like the so, exposure. Yeah, I agree. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Well, same with hospitals. Cause most time when you were going to the hospital, it's yes. not because something good's about to right. happen. Right. Yep. Um, so if, you know, even if 
procedures or interventions are scary if other aspects of the hospitalization, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned working with child life earlier, like they are huge. I love child life. You know, making the environment more comfortable and more normalized for kids. Mm -hmm. There should be child life for adults too. (laughs) Like, I mean- and yeah, our hospital, we have but... them for kids of adults, but like not like mm, yeah, adults. Some adults need it absolutely. Normalize, yep, and make and teach, yep, yeah, teach and mm-hmm. make it a better, more comfortable environment. So, as a psychologist, how do you work with kids and adults? And in this case, I'm assuming the adults you're working with are parents, since you work with peds, um, yeah. in prepping them for procedures, helping them reduce their anxiety about whatever mm-hmm. intervention they're feeling scared about. Yeah. So for parents start young. And so this is before people necessarily get to my office. Right. But so with babies, so for, you know, like parents of babies or you know, parents to be um, or providers teaching parents that they can offer comfort, um, making sure parents are managing their own distress Um I guess making sure parents know that they can provide support in a positive way mm-hmm. um, with toddlers, medical play. So even before there's possibly any medical appointments, there there will be well checks at some point, right? So yeah. um, just kind of normalizing medical play, you know, getting a toy doctor kid and playing with, you know, stuffed animals or having the kid do checkups on the parents and vice versa. Um, and then for, for people who are actually coming to my office and I do most of my kiddos that I work with are most of my patients are kids. I also, I've seen a handful of adults for medical anxiety as well. Okay. Um, so this applies probably to everybody, but so exposure therapy, right? So, um, in my office, that's reviewing the steps. So with kids that's through a social story, you know, like, um, either creating our own or looking up a story of what to expect for, again, whatever the procedure is, um, making a list of the steps involved. So going through, you know, like what are the, all the actual steps, what's going to happen. So like for a blood draw, we're going to go to, you know, fill in the blank, like wherever you're going to go, we're going to sit in the chair, roll up the sleeve. They're going to um, clean the site, you know, kind of going through all of those steps um, and then practicing it. So doing, you know, mock exposures in the office together in a, you know, a safe space while also practicing relax- relaxation skills um, learning like what are their particular things that they do to manage distress. So whether it's distraction, whether it's, um, you know, deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, where you're squeezing your muscles and then you're relaxing them. Um, I'd say those are probably like the big strategies, um, positive reinforcement, figuring out like what's, what's motivating to Mm -hmm. you or your kiddo, you know, what's going to help you work through it. Um, making sure there's enough information. So, you know, like again, through a social story, going through the facts, like what to expect. I like to ask what they know about what's happening because that's a great place to clear up misconceptions. So like with Mm -hmm. blood draws, um, sometimes you think that the needle is going to be in for a very long time. Um, Well, for blood draws is longer. For like a shot, you think it's going to be in for a long time and it's so fast. Even for blood draws, like it's usually faster than you think. Um, And so just asking like, what, what do you know about this? Like, what do you think? And then you can together, you know, with the parents, maybe correct any misunderstanding. Um, The exposure therapy also works to decrease avoidance. So you're going through the Mm -hmm. steps and you're getting them more comfortable with what's going to happen. Um, What else? In addition to exposure therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. So depending on like how long standing 
the fear is, um, figuring out what are the, um, false or unhelpful beliefs that you may have about what's going to happen or just about medical care in general. So really like Mm -hmm. figuring out what are, what are the thoughts that you, what are the worries that you have? How does having that worry thought lead to how you're feeling? How does it lead to avoidance? So I'm like drawing in the air, you know, the triangle of thoughts, feelings, and actions and how those are all connected, um, coming up with positive coping statements. So that's changing the thoughts into something a little bit more positive and helpful. Like I can get through this. Yes, it may hurt. And also I can do it. Um, other strategies. So, So like education, both for a parent and kid, Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, education for the kid is like the social stories that we talked about. Um, the why also, I think, depending on the kid and like their interests can be helpful. So with shots, like we, you know, I talked to my kids a lot when they got the first COVID shot, like mm-hmm. here's why we do it because this is, you know, kind of gives, um, you know, it gives medicine to our body so that if we come in contact with COVID, our body knows how to fight it off. And, um, sometimes that's helpful. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you said so many great <laughs> things in there. So the few things that are like sticking out to me. Yeah. The social story, I feel like that's probably helpful for parents too. Absolutely. Like if they cuz I've seen a lot where kids will ask their parents questions and the parents don't know all the answers. Mm-hmm. So then they look at me and I'm like, I can tell you as much as I yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Like especially yes. if it's like a surgery. But I'm yes. like I don't know everything like this would be a great question for the surgeon, but like, you know, I would imagine that if a parent is in the situation that their kid's asking questions that they don't know the answer to, that might increase their anxiety because they want to help the kid or depending on the age of the kid, mom or dad or, you know, whoever guardian is like, oh, I don't know. That might reinforce anxiety Mm -hmm. for the kid. It's like, well, if, if I don't know and my adult doesn't know. Yes. Who knows? Absolutely. It's going to happen. Yes. Um, I like starting with, so for surgeries or other procedures, like starting with the hospital where it's going to be at. So like mm-hmm. if they have child life, calling child life um, or looking up, like if you just Google like a social story for the specific place. And then if that's not possible, then you can Google social stories in general and say, okay, so this might not be exactly how it looks, but let's see, you know, what the what the steps that are involved or even just calling and saying, okay, does this sound about right? Is this what's happening? And so there's an MRI. It says, my social story here says, you can listen to music. Do you have music that yeah. my kiddo can listen to? Because sometimes that's not the case and you don't want to, you know, overpromise yeah. and under the yeah. yeah. In our hospital, we have music and also like movies. Um, huh. But depending on like the length of the MRI, sometimes they're like, a movie is not right. Like there's no purpose of Mm -hmm. moving on. And the other thing that really stuck out to me was asking the question, like, what do you know? Mm -hmm. Because I think not only clearing up misconceptions, but that fear of the unknown, if they're like, I actually don't know anything. Mm -hmm. In my experience, the unknown a lot of times is more scary than having the of the procedure. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can, if we don't know, we fill in these gaps with things that yeah, maybe feel scarier than the actual procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Or I can think of this thought just popped into mind. This was years ago, a patient that had to get an NG tube mm-hmm. and originally didn't want it because thought 
it had to like be put in every time for meals and then removed every time. Then oh, put back in. That would and be miserable. Once that misconception yeah. was cleared up. Oh, okay. Cool. I can't yeah. like not cool, uh-huh. but like okay, it only gets put in once. I can until handle I don't that. Need it anymore. Yeah. Great. Um, but yeah, I would not. I would be terrified too if I thought right. my tube had to get put down my throat for every right. meal. Right. Then you're dealing with that hurdle, that distress constantly, as opposed to just, okay, thinking, wait a second, I can get through this once. Might not be fun, but then, right. Or or if that's the piece that they were afraid of and you don't know that that's what they were afraid of coming in and coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Um, There were other prep things that I was going to, should I go through those? You can. Absolutely. Yeah. So like Emla cream, like things that mm-hmm. parents can do that make it go, you know, for shots that can make things go better. So like Emla cream, you know, like a local um, numbing cream mm-hmm. that can, you know, just, there's a lot that parents can do that can make especially shots go better. Um, so like having that plan. Um, Buzzy the bee. Um, I assume you use Buzzy the bee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Buzzy the bee, the little like vibrating bee that can help um, with you know, distraction than like not feeling the shot as much. What else? Um, giving kids choices where possible, you know, so like, do you want to sit in this chair? Do you want to sit in this chair? Do you want to sit in this chair by yourself? Or do you want to sit on my lap? Um, do you want the shot in this arm or this arm? Yeah. I feel like I covered most of those things. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and it leads me to what I was going to ask you next, which you already kind of covered a lot about parents, but like things that parents, partners, loved ones can do to support mm-hmm. someone who is anxious about upcoming medical procedure. Like you just gave a lot of good ideas yeah. for like preparation, yeah. the idea of choices. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the kids, uh, call it freezy spray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it's, yeah. Um, and they think it's fun because they like, depending on where the shot is, like mm-hmm. can spray it themselves. So yeah. some control, but any other thoughts you wanted to add on like ways that loved ones can support. Yeah. So like, you know, praise and reinforcement. So praise, which it's not just about praising your kid for getting through it calmly. It's about like praising, you know, as specific as possible. So even if they get really upset and they don't get through, like, let's say it's a vaccine and they don't get through it, praising them for showing up and getting there and then regrouping and trying again another time or praising them for getting through it, even though they were really upset and crying and, you know, just like making sure you're reinforcing what they're doing well. Um, Reinforcement. So deciding in advance, like, is there a reward that we need to set up? Um, You know, if it's like, you know, one time thing, like a shot, I, like to do my kiddos shots at um like you know target or cvs or walgreens like any of those places that have other things that we can get so sometimes we'll say okay we can pick out something small afterwards and like that reinforcement is helpful but if you set something up in advance or if it's ongoing procedures you know if it's like frequent medical appointments then maybe setting up a sticker chart so figuring out what is motivating to your kiddo um what else compared to not no surprises? Um, the surprises leads to higher anxiety. So not, oh, surprise, we're going to the doctor's office. And that's goes back to that avoidance. Like, I don't want to deal with my kid being upset for a prolonged period yeah. of time. Well, sure, nobody does. But then your kid isn't going to trust you and they're going to feel anxious every time they go to the doctor, what's going to happen mm-hmm. versus saying, I promise you, I will let you know, um, discussing it, you know, how many days in advance. Obviously, it's again, kid dependent. Yeah. Um, 
what else? Asking, like, what, how can I help you? Again, this is, you know, like for older kids, for adults, you have a friend who's really anxious about medical procedures saying like, how can I, how can I help? How can I be supportive? Sometimes people know, obviously sometimes they're not sure, but um, what else? Don't argue against the fear. I mean, that sounds like obvious, but when you could say, is it going to hurt? Don't say, no, it's not going to hurt. Or don't say like, no, you shouldn't feel scared. Don't minimize, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, you can say it may hurt and also we'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were saying no surprises, I also think of like, just being honest with your kid. If they're like, am I going to get a shot? If you don't know, say, I'm not sure. We will ask when we get there versus like, no, you won't get a shot. Cause then the nurse comes in. It's uh like, oh, you're due for this today. Oh, and then the kid is like, (laughs) and then it's a big meltdown. (laughs) So overwhelmed. Um, I also love that you said you like to take your kiddos to like target or CVS or things like that. Cause I'm going to assume and I don't know your shopping habits. Mm -hmm. They don't typically associate target with true like shots. They do not like Mm -hmm. it's kind of that normalizing Mm -hmm. environment. And then, yeah, yeah, you have the rewards right there. And it, I mean, obviously it depends on the place. Like we've had, you know, some success at target and some success at the doctor's office, but yeah, but I, yeah, personally, I like that option because then it's we're picking out something novel and, you know, that works for us. But you can also go to the dollar store and pick out a bin of prizes and bring, you know, one with you. Um, yeah. yeah, but yes, they do not associate those places with with shots. So that helps a little bit. Yeah. And, and then the last thing that kind of came to mind while you were talking um, when asking how to support, like I know something that is always helpful for me personally, because like I have a very strong vasovagal response. So mm-hmm. I can get shots fine. If I have to get blood drawn, I have to be lying down because mm-hmm. without a doubt, I will pass yeah. out. And so I always love when like the the nurses or phlebotomists is like, do you want me to tell you I'm doing it? Do you want me to count? And I'm like, nope, just do it. Like for me, mm-hmm. that is a lot better, but it gives me a sense of control. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's more for like providers listening, but that's something that personally helps me. Cause if you're like, okay, we're going to do this. And then I'm going to cap that just increases my anxiety personally. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. It's good to know that in advance, um, do you tell providers in advance? I mean, cause I think they're pros and they need yeah. to be lying down. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I now, like I said, if I'm sitting up, like when I got my flu vaccine, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to look at it. Granted, I get it at work. So like one of the nurses I yeah. worked with just like came in. Um, but yes, I tell them ahead of time, I'm like, Hey, just to let you know, like I need to be lying down. Um, especially like if I'm just go- like when I was pregnant, mm-hmm. you have to get a lot of blood drawn. And sometimes you just go to like the, the phlebotomist, like you don't actually yeah. go and they have chairs. And yeah. so I would have to say like, Hey, mm-hmm. I need a place where I can lie down. Cause yes. otherwise you're going to be dealing with yeah. me <gasps> passing out. <laughs> Yeah, that's not fun. I I've told parents to call in advance. So same thing. Like if you have to go to um, you know, like a blood draw place, I'm like, yeah, I'm like what they're called, right? I can think of a specific names, but um, you know, if you call in advance and say, like, first of all, do you have a peds provider, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so much variability. Um, and are you able to like here's the plan that we need? Like, are you able to support us? Like, are you do you have the time where you can give us a little bit of extra time? Like sometimes more time is more problematic, but are you able to do this? If not, then we need to find another place to be doing that because yeah, you need to advocate and be able to ask for what you want, mm-hmm. what you need. 
I love that. And especially asking for a peds provider, if you are not going to like the pediatrician, mm-hmm. because it's... as somebody who works in peds, but like has, you know, been an adult in medicine, like as a patient, it's very different. <laughs> like how like pediatric nurses approach kids versus like ad- adults. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, it is. And uh, across, you know, peds providers and across adult providers, obviously there's variability, but yes, it's, if you, you can, you can tell, right. You can, when somebody comes and interacts with your kid, you can tell, are you a kid person or is this, you know, not typically who you're working with? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to something we talked about earlier. If the provider then is uncomfortable with the kid's anxiety and overwhelm, it might make them feel anxious and overwhelmed as well. Yeah. Which is going to impact everything. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I've certainly been in the situation, as I said, like, you know, I've, this is what I do. And yet it's still hard when a kid gets upset in the moment and a provider is telling you, you need to hold that. And, Mm -hmm. and that can look different. And that like advocating in the moment, right. This goes back to like having that plan advocating in the moment is hard to say, nope, like that is not what works for my kid or that is not works for me. Like, Mm -hmm. here's how here's how we've practiced and yes, they're upset. And yes, we need to, you know, do something to keep them safe. But um, yeah. yeah. Well, and I love what you just said too, because, you know, and no fault to providers, but there's probably a pretty standard, like, Hey, if they're squirming, hold your kid. But if you know, that's going to be more traumatizing for your kid. If you know, something else works better, Mm -hmm. like actually it, they feel really calm if they're sitting in my lap and I'm kind of, I'm holding them, but like, yes, call it a bear hug or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, Can we do that instead? And, you know, telling them that ahead of time so that you're advocating when you're calm. Yes. Instead of three nurses who they don't know, holding your kiddo down, like that's, that's scary. No, it's scary for the parent too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Lucy, if someone is listening and who can relate to procedural anxiety, we've talked a lot about needles, but any other type of medical Mm -hmm. intervention, and maybe doesn't have access to a therapist to work through it, to Mm -hmm. do that exposure therapy, the social stories, all those types of things that you've already mentioned, what tips do you have for them as they face a feared medical intervention? So as well, as we talked about child life. So if it's medical, I mean, I just cannot sing child life specialist Mm -hmm. praises enough. I think they are like, you know, amazing humans. So if it's a hospital, you can presumably request it, you know, it depends on obviously the place. Um, You can, again, Google social stories. So you don't have to get those from a provider. You can find, if you're going to go through them with your kid, for sure, read through them first yourself and make sure, you know, like vet them. Um, you know, there are little book series on different medical concerns too. Like you can look those up, um, you know, see what your library has. Um, as far as not having access to providers, obviously it depends on like what reasons we're talking about why somebody doesn't have access to providers. Um, the site pact is great and lets a lot of us practice like across state lines. So, you know, like it helps to some extent broaden um, who you can see, like if you can meet with somebody virtually, um, you know, look through your insurance and all that. Um in terms of supporting adults, um, you know, like have a trusted person who goes with you. So like I've gone with adult friends for blood draws or MRIs and, you know, like just having somebody else go with you, um, like getting some of that support 
or accountability. If you can tell somebody, I'm feeling anxious about this. Um, can you go with me? So I make sure I don't avoid it. Um, mm -hmm. Again, you know, like that's more so for adults. Um, yeah. And then for kids, again, you don't have to necessarily work with a provider to go through the steps, but just to practice at home, like, you know, with medical play, you can um, get a, you know, mock syringe and go through the steps or um, just going over more information. Generally, that's also a good question. Do you want more information? So it's just asking, don't assume that your kiddo needs more information. Like, do you want to know what to expect? Or would you like to just show up and know that we'll get through it together? Yeah. No, that's a really good point because I can definitely think of kids that I've worked with that say their fear, they, they have to take like Lovenox shots is one that comes mm -hmm. to mind. And you have to take those regularly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I'm scared of taking a shot. Well, would it help you if you knew why you had to take it? No, that would freak mm -hmm. me out more. Okay. Hmm. Then we won't talk yeah. about why you yep. need it. Just know that we wouldn't be giving you these injections if they weren't necessary. But yeah, yeah. that that's a really good point. Cause some people like myself, I like as much information as possible. Oh, me too. Some yeah. people are like, no, give me like the basic details and then I'm mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And then if it changes, you can reevaluate, right? If now I want more information, great. Let's, you know, we can reevaluate that. Yeah. And you can always get more information. Once you have the information out there, you can't like. True. Absolutely. <laughs> take it back. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, Lucy, this has been, oh, I was going to say so yeah. informative. Are there any other things I haven't asked you about, things that have come to mind that you want to touch on? Um. Well, so I was thinking, I think not. This goes back to with mainly with blood draws or with other kind of like short-term procedures. It's not like for parents really like having the big picture. It's not just about getting through that procedure in the moment. Um, like the long-term impact matters. So like, can you hold your kiddo down to get the shot? Like, yes. You know, like it, many of us have done that in some way. Um, right. Like if you have, like, don't beat yourself out. But if you can start creating a more positive, like collaborative experience, then you're setting them up for success and maybe yourself too. Um, so I think just, you know, like having the big picture in mind too is important. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really good point because yeah, it is like we are, had already mentioned that if a kiddo is held down, you know, I don't know when they're five to get a shot mm -hmm. and that was the holding down was more traumatic than the shot itself. Yeah. That's going to impact yeah. Them wanting to get the sure. doctor anxiety and things yeah. like that. And then with bigger procedures, right? So like with stress and anxiety impacts your overall health. And if you're, mm -hmm. you know, feeling so anxious about, you know, surgery or that it actually impacts anesthesia too. Like it, anxiety, like higher anxiety can make it harder for anesthesia to work. So to work, which is, yeah. yeah, it's all yeah. waking up during surgery because right. that's going to cause. No. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Oh just like, you know, your mind and your body are connected. All of that, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it all matters. Absolutely. Well, Lucy, this was a great conversation. I've learned a lot. Um, I'm sure this is relatable to so many people, given the stats you threw out earlier. <laughs> right. um, so I know this is going to be super helpful. Um, but the last question I like to ask all my guests is where can people connect with you? Sure. So I'm on Instagram. So my you know, Instagram, it's Lucy Leibowitz underscore PhD. Um, or my website, which is drlucyleibowitz.com. Um, those are probably the best ways. Yeah. 
Awesome. And I'll put the links for both of those in the show notes so people can follow you and connect with you. Sounds good. Thanks. Well, thank you so much once again for joining me, for having this conversation. Like I said, I know so many people will be able to relate to it and you gave such great tips and insights for parents, kids, adults as well. So I just appreciate your knowledge and and sharing it. And we're recording this in the fall in COVID and flu vaccine time. So yeah, we didn't even (laughs) plan it that way, but yeah. So listen to this before you all go get Mm -hmm. your vaccines or your kiddos get your vaccines to know what to do. Thanks. And thank you all for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.